Beatrice Spills the Beans on Codependency is a codependency recovery, emotional awareness, and exploration podcast. B is a mom, social worker, and recovering codependent, creating a space for like-minded people who have similar experiences to help empower and cheer each other on. Join B on her journey with emotional exploration. Hey friends, glad to be here for another month. Thank you for being patient and waiting while I took a month off. August is my birthday month and I just always have a lot going on in the summer so it was nice to just take some time and focus on family. I had a lot of ideas come up for the podcast so I think it was good to have that break where I can just have a creative mindset and figure out you know where I'm going and where I'm at and I'm gonna move a little bit so hold on a second. I'm moving deeper into the closet just to help with the sound a little bit. Like you all know, I do this podcast in my closet surrounded by my husband's clothes because that's where I get the best sound. And so if you can just picture me facing a closet with a little tapestry that we don't have doors on our closet because the doors took up too much room. They're like accordion doors. So we took them off to make more room so I have this sun and moon tapestry it's very bohemian and lovely and so my style so I'm just sitting in my closet talking to you guys I have missed this little love closet for a while now and I'm just excited to be back in my little studio so today we're going to talk about printification We're going to go over what the definition of printification is, signs that you may have been printified, examples of printification. We're going to talk about the two different types of printification that are out there. We are also going to talk about appropriate relationships and boundaries versus printification, some long-term symptoms of printification that occur to people who have been printified, why printification happens, and lastly, how to break the cycle, how to move forward and heal from your parentification and to break the cycle to not give it to your children and your loved ones. This episode, I was actually going to do something else, a little more on like relationships. Actually, I'll ask. I want to do an episode on love bombing. So if you have any interest in hearing about love bombing, send me a DM and let me know what you think of me doing an episode on that topic. That was what my original plan was, but then I kept reading stuff about printification and I've had a few conversations with a few close friends about printification lately and it just seems really appropriate because oftentimes printification in childhood leads to people having a lot of codependency. Most people I know who struggle with codependency have had some type of parentification occur in their life. So instead of talking about it before we know the definition and we jump in on what parentification is, I just want to say when I was researching this, I was really like analyzing my parenting style and it kind of did make me aware of some behaviors that, you know, I need to be careful with 
learned behaviors from my childhood that I don't want to bring forward and also help me see like what areas I'm doing a great job in and it was an eye-opener and it really reminded me of my saying awareness sparks growth. I knew what parentification was but diving in a little deeper helped me to have more awareness of my own parenting styles and to make sure I am breaking that cycle and I just hope that that awareness is spread a little bit in this episode. So with that, let's get started. So first, we're going to start with the definition of hashtag parentification. Parentification is the process of role reversal whereby a child is obliged to act as a parent to their own parent or sibling. Extreme cases, the child is used to fill the void of the alienated parent's emotional life. Children who were parentified learn to push away their own feelings and needs. Hence, it's a great breeding ground for codependency. So what are some signs of parentification or signs that you were parentified? According to Psychotherapy Central, some signs of parentification are you were pulled into adult arguments as a child. You were used by a parent as a substitute for their partner. You grew up feeling responsible, especially for others. You grew up caring for siblings, often younger siblings, but in some cases, it can be older siblings. I was the youngest, but I was the only girl, and it was very much pushed on me that the women take care of the household and the boys take care of the outside, so it was my job to clean up after my brothers and My brother, who's directly older than me, wasn't the most responsible. So oftentimes my mom, well, both my parents expected me to behave a lot differently than him. They had a lot stricter rules for me. I really did think I was supposed to be the responsible one. I don't know if my parents put that on me or it was just the difference in how we were treated. But anyways, it can be older or younger. You grow up feeling responsible for others and you grow up caring for a sibling. You don't remember having time to be a child. You feel as though part of your childhood is missing. As a child, you felt the world was on your shoulders. As a child, you felt socially isolated. As a child, you experienced depression, anxiety, being overworked or overwhelmed by life. As a child, you felt guilt and shame. You felt you had to be a peacekeeper. You felt your family wouldn't make it without you. You felt your life had consisted of being of service to others. Codependency. In a healthy parent-child dynamic, the parent cares for the child and the child focuses on growth and development. There are clearly defined duties for a parent and a child. With parentification, these duties are blurred or reversed. At a young age, a child takes on grown-up responsibilities. Experts have identified two distinct types of parentification, instrumental and emotional. Instrumental parentification are children that take on practical responsibilities. This is assuming housekeeping duties such as cleaning, cooking, and grocery shopping, paying bills and attending to other household tasks, taking care of siblings or other family members, serving as a translator in families where parents don't speak the primary language of the resident country. Those are examples of instrumental parentification. 
And this brought up a lot for me. So my dad often said that he didn't have to do things around the house because that's what he had children for. And it was very much expected of us to keep the house clean and do the chores. But there, our house was very large for one child to clean. And my brothers did help out, but it was more expected of me to do the inside work and they had the outside work. But there were three of them and one of me, one big house and a tiny yard. And so that expectation of getting chores done was like very heavily put on me. And when I say chores, it wasn't like I had one chore a week. It was like to clean the whole house or to get things done. And my dad would also often threaten that we would have to move to a house in the ghetto that had cockroaches if we didn't learn how to clean the house. And he would come home upset. He never like looked at what was done. He always focused on what he could see wasn't done. And it was very stressful. I always felt like I had to do more and I couldn't keep up and I would just get burnt out on it. And our house was not clean. Like it was just not like it was impossible because there were many slobs in the house and it just was a task that was not age appropriate for the age I was. I also took up the cooking, which my mom would say I enjoyed it, so that's why she let me do it. And I do think that I enjoyed it, but I often got tired of like being told we were going to have something for dinner and then my mom coming home too tired because she worked too much and not making dinner or eating the same thing over and over, the same hamburger helper meal or whatever. So I did take on that responsibility at a pretty young age. I think I was 10 or 11 when I started cooking meals for the family. And I didn't do it all the time, but it went through stents of like being the primary person cooking in the house. I just always felt overly responsible at a young age. And so I think a lot of the issue was that my mom was expected to do so much. She paid all the bills. She was expected to do whatever cleaning us kids weren't doing. And legitimately, growing up, my dad would go to work. He would go to his parents' house for a few hours. He would come home at 9 o'clock. He would walk upstairs, and he would sit in his little corner of his bedroom, and he would bang on the wall if he needed something from us. He never went downstairs unless we were having a get-together, a party. And those parties were, like, my mom would stay up for 24 to 48 hours, pull all-nighters to clean the house immaculately for these parties that we had. And that's, like, when we had family get-togethers, that's when our house was clean. Otherwise, our house was not clean at all. And my dad would expect us to wait on him and he, his idea was that he worked really hard at work and he shouldn't have to do anything when he got home. So it was left to one parent to do everything in this big house and he didn't do anything for himself. We served his meals to him. If he wanted another beer, he'd bang on the wall and we'd get him another beer. If he needed some type of utensil, there was a lot of running up the stairs to provide to him. I was taught to take off his shoes when he got off of work. I would take his shoes off every night. It got to the point where I just would act like I was sleeping by the time he got home because I, what kid wants to wait on their parent? And on the weekends, he'd go to work too, or he would 
sometimes like if he helped out with things around the house, he would make it miserable for everyone because he'd be yelling at us about how dirty something is or how he couldn't find anything or how our house is disgusting. But he wasn't doing anything to contribute to fixing the problem. He was just complaining about the problem. And I really thought that that was completely normal behavior of him. I thought every dad was waited on growing up. And I remember having my brother had a friend over that was the same age as me when I was in high school. And he saw my dad go up to the bedroom and then bang on the wall every time he wanted something. So this guy went to school and told everyone and was like making fun of it. And I got really mad at him. And I was like, how dare he say that about my dad? My dad works his ass off and he deserves to be treated that way. And like, I really did not see anything wrong with it. I was mad at that kid for acting like there's something wrong with it. And it took me a long time to realize like that wasn't appropriate behavior. And the crazy thing is, is that my dad was still doing that behavior when I met my first husband. So like, I'm sure my ex-husband was like very pleased to see that type of submissiveness. I mean, it was to the point that like my dad would call my mom at work and yell at her that she needs to come home in the morning if she didn't set his clothes out for work that day, if she forgot to set something out. And then my mom, as when I got older, my mom would call me and be like, can you take this and this out of the dryer and take it up to your dad? She didn't set his clothes out. And it was just, it's, it makes my stomach hurt thinking about it now. Like that, that was just appropriate. And It was inappropriate behavior that we allowed, that my mom allowed, that we all catered to that. And so because of that lack of help and him thinking that that was okay, there was a lot of slack that needed to be picked up in the household. And just this overwhelming doom of like feeling that we needed to take care of the house and be responsible for so much as a kid. Like I remember just wanting to be able to have summer break and like go and have fun. But like, I would be like, you can't do this, this and this until the laundry was done. And the laundry was like a whole pile, like a whole living room piled of laundry. It was insane. Another thing was that I was groomed to be a caretaker. I remember really young, my brother, I was like five or six and my brother broke his leg and my dad's like, you get, you get the special job of emptying out his urinal. And so every time he peed in his urinal, I would empty it out for him. And they were just like, yeah, you're the best caregiver. And like that, that shouldn't have been my responsibility. My parents should have been taking care of my brother, but when you have the mindset that you have kids to do those things. And now that I'm a parent, I try to reflect a lot on like how my parents were raised. My mom was raised in a house where her parents did everything. And I think my dad, he had two working parents and there was a lot of expectation on him as a kid to do things around the house. And so I think that just, that just got carried over to us. Like I'm not trying to make him sound like a monster, I definitely don't think the behavior was acceptable, 
But I also think that a lot of it was learned behavior for him. And he thought like, oh, when I'm an adult, that's when I get to relax because he didn't get that relaxing, carefree childhood either. So I've learned to like reflect a little on it, but it was a lot to grow up with and a lot to take on as a kid. Sometimes it's hard to know the boundaries of healthy responsibilities and blurring lines into parentification. When giving children responsibility, ask yourself whose needs are being met and is the demand age appropriate? So I think that responsibility for kids is a good thing, but there just definitely has to be boundaries with it. You have to be thinking about if they're appropriate responsibilities for their age range, and that's a good way to avoid parentification with your own children. Here are some examples of emotional parentification. Listening to a parent talk about their problems, offering advice to a parent, mediating between a parent and another family member, serving as a confidant for a parent, providing emotional comfort and support to a parent, and oftentimes with emotional parentification, the child does not get the same emotional support back from the parent. So this is another one. I definitely had a lot of emotional parentification going on, and unfortunately it was both with my mom and my dad. I was a lot like a confidant to my mom for a lot of years where she would talk to me about her problems and we were more like friends. I'd always know what's going on, and my mom is a natural. She is also a peacekeeper, so she would be trying to keep the peace and I would also try to help her keep the peace. And my dad would like be the type of person that would just fly off the handle or if he was mad at someone, he would just really make it hell for us. So like my mom and I would both try to talk to him and play peacekeeper between him and other family members. And he oftentimes would just choose who he was going to be mad at for the week. And so there was a lot of peacekeeper. Um, something that stuck out when I was writing about or researching this was that my dad would always tell people that I'm I've been trying to raise him my whole life and I'm not doing a very good job and he would just say the most inappropriate things at the most inappropriate times and I would always be so embarrassed I'm like dad you can't say that and he would just smile and laugh like he loved getting the reaction out of me of like me parenting him and me telling him when he's crossing boundaries and I always just felt responsible for his behavior I'm still working on not feeling responsible for his behavior when he lashes out and we're at a family gathering and my sister-in-laws and other people see it. I have to tell myself his behavior is not a reflection of me. His behavior is not a reflection of me because I just get so insecure and I'm so used to stepping in and I'd be so proud of getting him to behave correctly. To me, that was an achievement if I could get him to behave himself. And I provided emotional comfort for both of my parents. And I also had this odd relationship with my dad where he'd almost like use me to make my mom jealous. Like, because my mom would be busy working or doing stuff. And so he'd be like, I'm going to go to the movies. I'm going to go to the movies with our daughter because you don't have time to go to the movies with us. And me and her had such a great time and yeah you won't spend time with me so I'm going to spend time with her and he would oftentimes like complain about my mom to me I mean both of them did that really they would complain about each other to me so I was like very aware of their issues and 
I was always so scared of them getting a divorce, which is interesting because now I'm like, I'd be, I don't know if I'd be fine if it in reality it happened, but like, there are a lot of times that I'm like, mom, like, do yourself a favor kind of thing. That's not very nice, but it is my feeling sometimes, and this is my safe space to share that. Emotional parentification was something that definitely resonated with me, with unfortunately with both of my parents. Communication between a parent and child is important and healthy when presented in an age-appropriate way. A lot of times, children will be really confused or they blame themselves if they don't know why a parent is upset. So it is really important to explain to your children why you're upset so that they know that it's it's not something they did or their behavior that's making you upset, but it's just really important to remember that age appropriateness is super important. It becomes unhealthy or parentification when a parent looks for a child to help in coping with their emotions. So at the beginning of the episode, we looked at symptoms of parentification and now we're going to talk about some long-term symptoms. One long-term symptom is as an adult not being able to ask for help or accept help from others. Inability to trust others. Involvement of unhealthy relationships. Inappropriate sense of entitlement. Difficulty functioning independently. Higher chance of chronic illness, greater risk of anxiety, depression, substance abuse, and eating disorders. Uh, check, 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 and check all of those for me. Why does parentification happen? Oftentimes, parentification occurs when a parent has some form of physical or emotional impairment that impacts their ability to be a reliable caregiver. So, in my situation, it was a lot of mental health complications and issues and also learned behaviors, negative learned behaviors. But other times life events occur that make it where a child needs to pick up the slack in the home. For example, a divorce, a parent dies, or a parent takes on another job due to financial hardship. And that was another thing is, like I said, in my home, one of my parents felt entitled to not have to do the work around the home. And so that lack of responsibility put it on us kids to pick up the slack because my mom just wasn't capable of doing it all. She had four kids and she worked full time and she had a home that she was trying to keep going. Like she just was not capable of doing it all. Let's talk about how to overcome parentification. So if you listen to this episode and you're like, wow, like I definitely had some parentification going on as a child and I didn't recognize it. And you want to work on the after effects symptoms of parentification, these are some some steps you can take. So oftentimes, like I said, children who have been parentified grow up to be codependent. So checking out a CODA meeting, which is Codependence Anonymous, could be very helpful to you. And that's a 12-step meeting. They have 
like Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, and they have Codependence Anonymous. And one of the traditions of of the 12 step meeting is I don't know how to say it. I can't think of the exact wording, but basically we don't promote 12 step meetings, but I just want to clarify this is not a promotion, but if it wasn't for the books I read about codependency and me learning about codependency, I would have had no idea that there was a 12 step meeting for codependency recovery. So if that's something you feel drawn to, I think it's great to check out, but I don't think people are going to check it out if they don't know it exists. So this is just me telling you that that's an option out there, not telling you that you need to go to a meeting. It's really hard because I never know if I'm like blurring the lines with those traditions. I wish someone would tell me that it's okay to talk about it on the podcast, but I just don't know. Checking out a CODA meeting could be helpful. Pursuing a mental health specialist, like a therapist who specializes in CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, could also be very helpful. Doing inner child work, working on finding your wants and needs and learning how to provide those things for yourself. Like I said early in the podcast, identifying your wants and needs is something that's really hard for someone who has gone through parentification because they're so busy being responsible for everyone else, their needs and wants are always on the back burner and they're taught that they're unimportant. So they don't provide that for themselves and they go through a lot of their lives just thinking that their whole purpose and being is to serve others and to be selfless and not provide for themselves. Provide for your wants and needs for yourself and making your mental health and well-being a priority is very important. And last but not least, learning how to trust others and rewiring your brain's views on attachment and self-worth. And rewiring your brain can happen in many ways, but therapy is a great way to learn the steps on how to rewire your brain. And the good news is, is your brain is able to be rewired. You're able to work on those things and to move past those things. You just need to have the tools to do so. If you have children and are learning that you were parentified as a child, you might be asking yourself, how can you break the cycle? I was asking myself this when I started doing the research too. And the good news is some of these things I've already done and some of these things I can work on to make things even better for my son. Ways you can break the cycle is working on yourself first, learning that everyone's well-being is not your responsibility, codependency, codependency, resign from being a family peacekeeper. You know what's interesting is when I started going through CODA, I resigned from being the family peacekeeper. And for a long time, I felt like, I resigned from my family completely like there was no place for me because I held on to that role so tightly and I thought that that was my identity that when I resigned from it, it felt very isolating and it was really hard but now after some years it's like oh, I'm so glad I resigned from being the peacekeeper it is so nice to not be so interwoven in everybody's drama it wasn't healthy and it wasn't it was toxic. It, I, it made me a toxic person to everyone. And it's weird because being the peacekeeper is not, it's not healthy for anyone at all. It's very interesting because you think you're doing something good, but it's really not healthy. I guess what I'm saying is be ready for those emotions of feeling left out if you resign from being the peacekeeper, but down the road, it really does pay off. 
reconnecting with your inner child, like I said earlier, is a good way to break the cycle. Reconnecting with playfulness and fun. That is one that's really hard for me. I think because it was always expected that we get our responsibilities done and the responsibilities that were put on us as kids were insurmountable and we weren't ever finished. Like I never could get the laundry done or I never could get the house clean enough. So everything I did that was playful and fun was in guilt that it's like really hard for me to be playful and fun now. I'm constantly thinking I should be working or doing chores. Making time for the playfulness and fun is really important for my healing and for my son to see that I want him to have fun and play and not feel guilty for being able to play. Like he should never feel guilty that he's going and playing because that's part of his development. I'm like so sad for myself and so happy for my son all in one right now. (laughs) Learning to accept support is another one. And then boundaries with work and others, which is really hard for me. Like I said, I always feel like I need to be working or proving that I'm good enough. And last but not least, increasing self-care and ensuring that your children have space to be children this is how you break the cycle is just making sure that your kids feel that freedom to play and have fun and yeah like you we want to teach our kids responsibility but we also want them to be kids and to have fun and there's a limit to the responsibility they're not caretakers it's not their job to cook our meal if they want to you know, they're old enough and they want to cook a meal for us once a week. And that's something that's fun for them. That's great. But they're not responsible for making sure that we have our groceries or that we have food on the table every night. They're not responsible for keeping the whole house clean all the time. And mom and dad get to sit and watch TV all night. That's not the case. And also, they're not emotionally responsible for us. And I'm very protective over that. Even my husband will be playful of like, not playful, but like he, he'll ask our son to do something. And then if he doesn't do it, he's like, that hurts my feelings. And I'm like, hey, he's not responsible for your feelings. That's not a way to get him to do something is to say that it hurt your feelings that he didn't because he shouldn't be guilted into doing anything. There's consequences like, yeah, if you're not going to pick up your toys, you're going to have to go to your room for a few minutes because you're not listening when we ask you to do something. But He's not going to do it because it hurt his our feelings. And I'm guilty too. Like I have caught myself doing it as well, but it's a lot easier for me to notice when my husband does it than myself, of course. Kids are not responsible to emotionally regulate us. If we're having a bad day, it's not, oh, well, if you would clean up the living room, it would make mommy feel better. No, mommy needs to go and have some meditating and yoga time to feel better. It's not our kids' responsibility to emotionally regulate us. It's not appropriate for us to talk about our adult problems with them. They are our children and they need to have their innocence as long as possible. And it's easier said than done at some times. And I think that a trigger for me, because this is how it was for me, is when people are like, but they're such an old soul. People can be old souls and they can still be innocent and playful in children. And Just because someone is very wise for their age doesn't mean that it's appropriate to have adult conversations with them. You can have a conversation about, like with COVID, it's appropriate to talk about how COVID affects you and that it makes us sad that we don't get to see our loved ones. But 
it's not appropriate to be like, yeah, I don't know if mommy and daddy are going to make it this month because we were laid off due to COVID. And that was another thing. My parents owned a business and they worked really hard. And there were so many times that both my parents talked about their financial struggles, which in hindsight, like now as adults, it's like they weren't ever going to lose their house. They, they were never in like detrimental struggle, but they would act like they were. And I was constantly thinking we were going to be homeless because they would talk about finances and the stress of it. And I would like go to bed sick about it. And it's like, they didn't mean to put that on us. It's just, they didn't have that filter. I mean, I do think my dad would like threaten us with that. And my mom like legitimately just was not realizing that that's not an appropriate thing to talk about around a kid, but it did affect us and it wasn't healthy. So like I'm saying, like talking about the financial effects of COVID isn't appropriate for a kid, but kids are lonely and sad that they don't get to see their friends. So you know, it's okay to tell them that it's a sad and lonely and scary time and to talk about it, but bring it to the kid focus aspect of like what they're going through and, and ruminating with that experience of that you're having that experience too, and that you're struggling with it and helping them to have the right words to match their emotions. Like that's totally appropriate, but there's a kid's version. And then there's a version that you talk about during pillow talk with your spouse or call and chat with your friend about when your kid's at school or your kid's having a nap time. There is appropriate conversations with appropriate ages and just being mindful of that. All right, guys, I think I'm done ranting and and raving about parentification. This one was a big one for me because it explains a lot about where my codependency stemmed from. And as a parent, it's something important for me to recognize so that I don't carry that on with my son and I break that cycle and there's a lot of messiness in parentification and you know there's a lot of boundaries and and work on on ourselves that need to be done to make sure that that doesn't get carried on to our kids and I think the more that people are aware of parentification being a thing and what it consists of and what those boundaries are and what's healthy and what's not healthy will help people to break that cycle. I think a big thing is mental health in the 70s with my parents, it wasn't a big thing. Like there wasn't, but my parents did take a lot of parenting classes, which I think is really cool that they cared enough to be like good parents that they took parenting classes. I just think that a lot of the behaviors that came from parentification were learned behaviors that they didn't know were unhealthy. Like they really didn't. No. And so that's why I say awareness sparks growth, because it's important to learn about these things so that we have knowledge to do something different. And how are we going to know what healthy is if we haven't had that as an example? That's my service for the month is talking about parentification and my experience with it and what it is and how to get past it. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you relate to anything in this podcast and you would love to just make my day it would be awesome if you went to apple Podcasts and wrote a review for the podcast it's super helpful that's what gets me out there and gets other people to recognize my podcast is through reviews on apple Podcasts. if you have any questions and comments for me directly you can dm me at beatrice underscore spills the beans on instagram or at codependency at beatrice spills the beans.com 
I am so thankful for my listeners. I love you guys so much. I appreciate all the DMs I get and all of the personal messages of how this podcast is helping you. Sometimes when I'm in this little closet, I don't know if it's making a difference, but I can say that it's very therapeutic for me and I'm going to keep doing it because I am fulfilled by it. I just love your guys' support so much. And like I said, if you could write a review, that would be super helpful. And just remember, awareness sparks growth, my friends. (laughs) Thank you.